0: Hope everybody is doing all right at home, nice and comfortable. Just like Pastor Steve said, it's good to be seen even if I can't see you. I want to share with you this morning, I want to start off by sharing there's a story. Long ago there was an architect and he was was given the assignment to design a great cathedral. So he did and then he hired a crew to begin building it. And one day he went to check on the construction. And he lo- when he gets to the construction site, he looks, and up on this scaffolding, he sees three workers, and they're kind of they're spaced out. And the first guy is sitting and working painfully slow. Bricks, a little bit of mortar, another brick, moving so slow. The next guy is, he's kind of crouched down, and he's working at a moderate speed. He's doing pretty good. But the last guy is standing up, and he's working so fast that the people bringing mortar and bricks can hardly keep up with him. So the architect, he wanders over under this scaffolding, and he asks up to the very first guy, he says, what are you doing? I'm curious. And the guy says, well, I'm, I'm just trying to make a living, and I'm stacking up bricks and mortar. And he moves over under the, the second guy, and he asks him what he's doing, and the guy says, well, I'm, I'm building a wall. So he's got a little bit of, of the bigger picture here. He moves to the third guy, and he asks him what he's doing. And the third guy says, I am a cathedral builder. I'm building the best cathedral that anybody is ever going to see. And that ties in with what I want to share this morning. The, first <laughs> the very first verse I've got is from Philippians chapter 1, and it's verse 6. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, the day of Christ Jesus, that's the day that you, that I, that everybody is going to stand in front of God. And that very well might be when he comes back to get us all, or that might be whichever day each of us dies as individuals. Each of us is going to have that day, whether we all have it together or whether we have it one at a time as we pass away. He started a good work in you, and he will carry it on to completion until that day. He's going to keep working in in you until that day. So do you believe that? Because if you believe that, then I'm talking to you this morning. Because... (coughs) Because Pastor Steve and I, as, as, as we've gotten together of what we were going to preach about many, many months ago, way back in 2019, as we were talking about what January, February, March, April, May, what those months would look like on the preaching calendar, we don't preach topically here. We don't look through the news each week and scroll through social media so that we can come up with on Saturday something we're going to preach about on Sunday. We have, we have a bigger plan than that. And, and I really know that God has been working as he had us preach about worship, about family, about evangelism, about the, how important it is to connect with God, to connect with your family, how important it is to take that connection with God and family and share that with the world around you. And that's not necessarily because Pastor Steve and I have any great supernatural ability to read God's mind. That just shows you how amazing God is that he put that in our hearts to share, and it comes up so perfectly to what our culture is going through right now. So I want to talk about a little bit about our present circumstances, but also big picture about even if these weren't our circumstances right now, even if we were what we used to call normal. Do you believe that he started that good work in you? If you really do, then you are not that first bricklayer that is just getting through each day. Because we are not called by God to just survive until bedtime. So that we can get up tomorrow and survive until bedtime. We are not called to just make it through the day. Now sometimes, sometimes we do that. Sometimes we live our lives day to day. When you're grieving... When you're mourning, when when you're sick, when, when you've had a surgery, when something tragic has happened, then we just kind of get on autopilot and we do survive day to day. And that's not ungodly and that's not sinful to do that, but that's not how we are called to live 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the rest of our lives. We're not called to be that second guy either who sees a little bit more of the bigger picture, but we're just... We're just trying to survive this quarantine. We're just trying to survive this, this crisis. We are just trying to survive this season or this week. We're not called to just do that either. We are not called to just tread water until things get better. You know, many years ago, someone, someone whose advice I really respected, they, they overheard me talking to somebody about the job I had. At the time, I was delivering furniture. And they pulled me aside and they kind of scolded me because I was talking about how, how frustrated I was to be delivering furniture because I really wanted to be in ministry. And they just kind of told me, well, so then why don't you get into ministry right now? And I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. That's what I really want to do. I'm just kind of waiting on God to move. And he says, no, don't, don't put that on God. Are you in ministry right now delivering furniture. Maybe that's the ministry God's called you to for the rest of your life. Maybe that's the ministry he's called you to right now. But you're not supposed to just be waiting until this season is over. If you believe he started a good work in you, then you are that third worker. With all that enthusiasm and you're working so hard and so fast that people around you can't keep up because you're a cathedral builder. You are building cathedrals. You are doing something big for something bigger than yourself. And that's what we are called to do. Now, right now in, in our culture, I don't think anybody is really thriving. We are all outside of our comfort zone to some degree. We, we have got decreased finances, increased amount of time we are spending at home, increased amount of time we're spending with our children, an increased amount of worry as we continue to go to work those of us who are because we're we're out and about and we're afraid of this virus that we might catch it wherever we are we are not living normal and we're not thriving but in my circumstance i get bronchitis a couple of times a year and i just i live in fear of this virus i do not want to get it because i have very bad lungs but as I began to pray about what can I do for our community, for our church family in the midst of this, because I really don't want to be out roaming around during all this, God just put it on my heart that I need to pray. And that needs to be the thing that I'm doing. So that is, that is my burden. I'm going to tell you, I am, I am home seven days a week, all day long now. And I'm watching less TV now than I was a bunch of weeks ago before this virus showed up because I'm spending such an increased amount of time praying for everybody and I am praying for our student ministry I'm praying for every student that comes through our student ministry I'm praying for them by name seven mornings a week seven evenings a week and then all day long as, as, as their names just kind of pop into my head for whatever reason it's taking a lot more time to spend that much time in intentional prayer. However, God has recently gifted me with a lot more time because of what's going on in this country. And I am trying to approach it that I am building cathedrals. I am using that time that I have. I'm using these extraordinary and, and kind of burdensome circumstances to kind of be better, to try to be better. There's a lot of of believers in our community that are doing that. There's a lot of believers that they are working 12, 14, 15 hours a day, five or six or sometimes even seven days a week, getting people back and forth to the pharmacy. They're delivering prescriptions, delivering food, gathering up food so that they can do some of these food pickups around our community. They are increasing the amount of time that they are spending serving. And yet there are other believers that have taken this opportunity to spend time at home and they're not building cathedrals at all. They're increasing the amount of time they're spending watching Netflix or playing video games. I have noticed a lot of people on, on social media that are spending a lot more time playing politics on social media. Blaming one party, cheering on another party and, and if you're engaged in any of that, not just the political thing, but if you're engaged in the politics, if you're engaged in, in, in more video games right now, more Netflix right now, more stuff that just kind of, of meets your selfish need, and you're not thinking bigger picture at all, then basically I think what you're saying is I think you are just looking at God and saying, shh, shh, God, I've, I've got something more important to me than you that I need to focus on. We are not called to quiet God down in favor of our own noise. We are called to make more noise for God, to step out of ourselves. I want to bring up right now, we've had a lot of testimonies during this, these past several weeks, and my wife is going to come up and she is going to share with us
1: Well, good morning, Facebook, and good morning to our worship team. It's been interesting because I didn't know I was going to be Facebook Live giving my testimony and and how it just lines up to everything that's going on. It just tells you how much God has a plan for us. My parents divorced when I was young, and it was constant chaos just because of bills and paying rent, and and we had to constantly move. And with my mom being a single parent of three girls— It was kind of hard. She moved us to a nicer neighborhood, or she would have to move us because of a job. And then we finally decided we're going to move closer to family. So that's why we ended up being back in Ohio. There was many reasons why we had to move. And I went to 10 different schools in that time, not to mention how many times we moved in between those schools. So it was rough trying to get along with people and friends. But here's the amazing part with God he had his hand on me the whole entire time I accepted Christ at VBS at five years old and that whole entire time God had a plan for me and he put his hand on me every time we moved I had a neighbor that took me to church no matter where I went where house or what state we were in I had a neighbor that took me to church and there is just one neighbor that actually just gave me life gave me a purpose for what ministry was all about And her name is Lucille, and I will tag her later and send this to her. But at third grade to sixth grade, four years, we lived next door to her. It wasn't just about church, taking us to church. Because there's plenty of people who took us to church, but she lived it. She was a neighbor that every day she was reading her Bible in the morning, reading it at night. She was talking with us, engaging with us, asking how our day was. And that was just the most amazing thing because every time I came home from school, she wanted to know what our day was like. She wasn't just a neighbor. She ended up being my spiritual grandmother. And how important that was in my life that created who I am today. And that's why it's so important for me to pick up not just kids and teens to come to church, but be that example, to be out in the community to help and serve and show that, I'm just not a neighbor, I am their fellow Christian, I am someone who they can rely on, and someone who will pray for them. Thank you.
0: Her neighbor was definitely one of those people that didn't choose to just survive each day till bedtime or to see a little bit of the bigger picture, but her neighbor saw the whole thing and decided that she was going to work on building cathedrals for God. That she was going to enthusiastically do what God has wanted her to do. My main scripture this morning comes out of the Gospel of Luke, and it is the parable of the Good Samaritan, verses 25 through 37. Um, I'm going to read this to us. I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. Then an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he asked him, how do you read it? So he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, he told him, do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So Jesus took up this question and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way a Levite, when he arrived at that place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I will reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which of these three men do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The one who showed mercy to him. He said. Then Jesus told him, Go and do the same. Go and do the same. Go and be a neighbor. Now, our task as neighbors is therefore to save people's lives. And that doesn't come up very often in kind of an action movie sort of a way. Although, I'm going to be honest with you if my house catches on fire, and my neighbor kicks down the door and picks me up off the floor and carries me out into safety, that's going to become my favorite neighbor. Not only will that be my favorite neighbor, somebody ever says to you, well, do you have any good neighbors where you live? I'm going to tell them the story about the best neighbor I ever met who carried me out of a burning building. But we're not necessarily called to always be saving lives. In a, in a physical danger sort of sense. But we are called to be good neighbors. When I was a little kid, my, my family moved. I was four years old, my brother was one, and we moved into a, into a house my mom and dad still live in today. This was way back in 1978. And the moving company that my mom and dad had hired hired some college kids... To, to handle the moving of the stuff. And my mom and dad weren't real impressed with the, the work ethic of these college kids who showed up. And when they got the truck loaded and, and went to the new house, we got to the new house, and it was like two and a half hours. We hadn't heard from the moving truck. They, they hadn't shown up. They had they'd gotten lost somewhere. And so my dad gets in the car, and he goes out driving around looking for the moving truck. And it's starting to get dark outside, and the movers finally show up. And one of the reasons they were late is they had stopped for some dinner and they had some, some liquid refreshment with their dinner. So they were a little bit inebriated, a little bit loud. And, and they got really kind of mean with my mom. And they said to her, we're not taking anything off the truck unless you give us more money. Because we think this job is, is worth more money than, than we had agreed to earlier. And they were, they were just really kind of threatening. And my mom is there alone. She's got a four-year-old kid and a one-year-old kid with her. So she took the kids over to the next-door neighbors that she had not met yet. And she knocked on the door, and she said, this is a horrible way to meet. But can I just kind of hang out in your driveway until my husband gets home? And she told the neighbor what was happening. And the neighbor said, oh, you don't need to, to hang out in my driveway. This was, this was many years ago. This would probably be on the news now. But he went into his front closet and he got a shotgun out and just kind of balanced it on his shoulder and walked next door and said to these kids, start getting the stuff off the truck and carrying it into the house and stop talking right now. My dad showed up just a few minutes later and he was absolutely stunned that the truck was like half unloaded already. And he's like, where do these kids find this work ethic? What's going on? And you know, my mom says, well, come over here. I want to introduce you to our neighbor that, that I met. And that guy, he still lives next door to my mom and dad for 42 years now. He's been a good neighbor to them. Who are you being a good neighbor to? Not just in a spiritual sense, but who are you looking out for in your neighborhood? But in a spiritual sense, who are you being a good neighbor to? Who are you praying for? Who are you calling on the phone to have some, some words of encouragement with them? Who are you calling on the phone that you know is struggling during this time? Struggling financially, struggling with anxiety, has family out of state that they're worried about, has a, a lot more children at home now, and now they're trying to do homeschool in addition to everything else they're doing. Who do you know is struggling that you could pick up the phone and call, and encourage a little bit. Who are you looking for opportunities to share Jesus with them? Who is on your list that you know doesn't know Jesus, and you are looking for a chance to share what Christ did on the cross with them? You know, before I get somewhere, I always get this idea in my head of what it's going to look like. I am more than ninety-nine percent of the time I am completely wrong. But I always I've I've done that since I was a kid. And I've got this, this picture in my head of, of what heaven is gonna be like. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I cannot think of a better thing than to stand in heaven with my savior and have him stand with me and point to somebody and say, Mark, you were a good neighbor to that person. Mark, you were a great neighbor. Maybe I'll be standing in heaven, and he'll point to, to, I'll have been in heaven for many years, and he'll point to some 100-year-old old man who just got there. And he'll say, 85 years ago, this teenager crossed paths with you, and you were the best neighbor to this kid. And now this kid is in heaven, and he has spent his life on earth serving me because of the words of encouragement and truth that you spoke into his life. I can't think of anything better than having Jesus tell us we were good neighbors to people because Jesus said, go and be a good neighbor. So who is he going to point at for you? Who are you thinking of right now that you know you need to talk to, to call, to send a message to, to start praying for, to look for an opportunity to serve, to share what you have? We are rapidly approaching Easter, and it's just kind of, I think it shows part of God's sense of humor because most churches have, have made Easter plans many, 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 many weeks or months ago. And now a lot of those plans are out the window. Because life is so different. But this church, we are planning something special for Easter. Most likely we are not going to be able to meet as a, as a group together. But the pastor and I, we've been in a lot of prayer. We've had a lot of talk about maybe doing some sort of, of drive-in church or drive-through church. We haven't hit all the details out yet. But what a great opportunity for you to show up, bring some lawn chairs, hang out in the parking lot, socially distanced from everybody but your family, and have a a chance to do some outdoor worship and and hear a little bit of a message. What a great chance for you to invite somebody to, to come with you, park, Socially distant from you, but you can wave at them over there from the other side of the parking lot and they will have an opportunity to hear the word of God. They will have an opportunity to worship. They will have an opportunity to see you walking out your faith. People will come to church on Easter if you invite them. If you invite them. And I've got to think, especially now, there's got to be people in our community that would go anywhere and do anything just to get out of the house for a few minutes. And they'll go park in the parking lot of the church or anywhere else that you invite them to go park in the parking lot of just to get out of the house a few minutes and look at something different. Well, what a great opportunity for you to capitalize on that that kind of stir-crazy feeling so many of us have so that you can introduce them to Jesus. My prayer for our church family during this time is that we're not just surviving this crisis. That we are not just surviving till the end of this crisis. But that we are looking at how can we be great neighbors during this crisis. How can we reach into the world around us and make a difference? My prayer for you is not that you will have opportunities to do that, because I promise you, you have those opportunities. My prayer is that you recognize those opportunities and that you have the courage to seize them. Because you are not just called to survive till bedtime tonight so you can get up tomorrow. You are not just called to survive two more weeks or three more weeks or four more weeks or however long all this goes. But you are called to thrive during this. That's what I pray that we are doing.